Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio on a cold, wintry, I think I can say snowy. It snowed this morning. It's going to snow it, tonight. It, it, I, I had a couple inches, by the way. Yeah, and uh, traffic today on 84th took me a half hour to get to work. You know where I live. I live five right. miles away. Um, people were driving like it was the first snow of the year. So last night, it was what the problem was, last night it took me a long time to get home from church um, because it was just kind of a wet snow, like there was a lot of moisture. Yep. Which sounds strange, but you know, if you're in the upper Midwest, you know what we're talking about. It's a heavy snow. And it was a very cold road. So, boom, immediately ice. Yep. So, I was I was slipping around last night. Yeah, that's unpleasant. And we uh, we might get three to six between <laughs> now and tomorrow, they say. And that heavy snow, that's the worst for the snowblower, too. Mm-hmm. Which mine is fixed, been working well. I had a p- couple people who were concerned after the... Uh, in a certain episode, I talked about snowblowers and mm-hmm. blowing snow against your neighbor's house. And that um, ended peacefully. So I had a couple of neighbors who sent a news story about, a, unfortunately, a deadly fight mm-hmm. over snow. And I but can you could you see a, how it could escalate. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but that ended peacefully. That was, that was great. So we are here. <clears throat> We've agreed to say a snowy um, Friday in February uh, in the podcast studio to continue... Our Luther series, normally this would come out on Thursday. You know what I'm going to do tonight, Mike? Hmm. I'm going to produce this. Oh, very good. Um, So we'll get it out this weekend at least, hopefully. Uh, We apologize being a little bit behind, but you did get a bonus episode this week too, so you're welcome, and I think it balances out. You say a series, Wade, on Martin Luther. Uh, How far into this series are you? The answer would be 43 sessions now. (laughs) This is our 43rd session on the life of Luther, and if you've been listening, you know it's not always about Luther because sometimes we take a break to talk about someone who was important for Luther's life and ministry and to give a little bit of kind of biographical context for them and to talk about why they mattered. Today, we're going to have an interesting one because it's someone who matters politically um, it's someone who is kind of instrumental in some theological developments, but it's also someone who probably gave Melanchthon and Luther more pangs of conscience mm-hmm. than maybe anyone else. Why was that? We're not going to say yet. We're going to get to it a bit, but I would say, Mike, uh, look at me while I say this. I would say it's salacious. It, it is definitely. Did I, did I say that like a TV yeah. gossip person? You're going to want to tune in. You said that really well. Mike's face was very like uh, extra you're on gonna, TV. You're going to want to you're going to want to come back. So if you're thinking about turning that dial, that metaphorical podcast <laughs> dial, you're going to miss out on the bombshell. If this were cable news, it would say breaking news. Yep. What is it that so panged Luther's and Melanchthon's conscience? Who are we talking about? A man named Philip, not Philip Melanchthon. No. Philip of Hesse. Hesse. And and sorry, he is also known as Philip the Magnanimous. Don't say the other thing he's known as because it'll give away (laughs) the salacious part. He is also the Landgrave. Yes. Now, which to me sounds like a a silly made-up title, like like a made-up college trophy, like the Land Grant Trophy or something like that. (laughs) I've been saving that one. 
For those at the land grant trophies between Michigan State and Penn State, it just sounds a little made up. Uh, <laughs> um, and I'm gonna let that just You're slide, let that slide. like a water off a duck. <laughs> um, Philip of Hesse. If, if we mention Philip of Hesse, we got to mention mention Duke John, um, Elector of Saxony, or I'm sorry, Elector John of Saxony. These are the two main political faces of Protestantism in Germany, more specifically, as we call it now, of Lutheranism, uh, for the first um, 17 to 46 Battle of uh, Milburg, or 47, I mean, um, for 30 years, for 30 years, the two leading, most prominent uh, political faces, although you've got Frederick the Wise in there or whatever, but um, Elector of Saxony, so Saxony, mm-hmm. whether it's Frederick the Wise or John, and Landgrave, which I think is a, a great title, uh, Landgrave Philip of Hesse. And Philip will be very important because Philip wants to be the bridge builder um, between the Swiss Reformed and the German Protestants, which we now um, would call Lutherans. We've talked about the Marburg Colloquy. What session was the Marburg Colloquy? Wait, it was session... Oh, you know, Mike? No, I don't. 42. 42. It was the last one that we put out. That's a good listen if you want a little more context. Um, But Philip really wants a united Protestantism. Protestantism being a term that comes out of another recent session, uh, the Second Diet of Speyer. What session was that? 41. Mm -hmm. Um, So a relatively new term, um, but a united Protestantism. And uh, he's going to work very hard for that. And as a result, um, after his death, his territory is going to have a very different Protestantism than Saxony um, will have uh, when it comes to Lutheranism. Mike, I'm going to throw it to you. Favorite fact about Philip of Hesse you have that's not the salacious one? Um, I think what's most interesting about him, which is fascinating me more and more, is um, just the, the idea of marriage at that time. Right, um, and and the reason I, I th- say that is because I'm constantly teaching to new freshmen who uh, really have not opened up the Bible. I'm teaching them really the scriptures in one semester, and we have to deal with a lot of crazy stuff in Genesis. And I'm constantly saying, take yourself out of your modern American mindset, put yourself in that situation. Not because I'm saying it's better, or worse, or, or whatever. I'm just saying just so you can understand it, right? And so will understand uh, family dynamics and stuff like that. And so another situation where you have a political, you have a political marriage, you're married very young, right? And uh, then the pressure that is put on a person like Philip of Hesse. Oh, that reminds me. Did I tell you I, I joked about in class today creating a fake Tinder account for you? Did you? Have you done that yet? <laughs> no, but I should tell, I should tell that story Another time to you, not to our audience. This is not, you know, this is, I feel like this would either blow up in my face or your face. Yeah, I was teaching on Genesis Uh and on Sarah and when Abraham lies to Abimelech and Pharaoh. Yeah. But I mean, a sister. So that's how it came. I don't really know what Tinder is, but it was a good illustration. And then I brought that up. And the students actually think this is a really good idea. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Um, And this is in in what class? Um, It was in uh, uh, Romans. Okay. Wait, no. 
It was in 110, freshman. So they're fresh. They don't even know me. You do chapel. Like, okay. Uh, it seems it seems a little bit much. It seems you came I, up a fair amount in 110 today because there was a visitor. I'm doing a campus visit, and whenever there's a visitor I see, I tell people, act like you're really learning something. And I said, I'll do some Berg gestures for you. Okay. And so I did the one where I go, reach the audience, pull them in. Reach to heaven, pull it down. And then I said, pretend <laughs> I have hair, yeah. and I did this. Yeah. Our listeners can't see that, but how would you describe a sweeping hand motion through my luscious thick hair? Like a Don Johnson move or something sure. like that. Um, I See, this is what – I have no problem – with you, you doing that, I, I, I maybe have a problem with freshmen thinking this is funny. I think that's a little bit, I think that's a little arrogance too strong of a word. But you got, you got to wait till you have me in class first before you start, you start putting too. I'm waiting their appetite. They're going to want to take right. you now okay. to see what this is all about. All right, okay. But back to the, the what we don't always appreciate. I think is is as a young person who is being groomed for something, and from very early on. Your whole life is consumed, even who you marry, is consumed by, by your title, right? And then to, to look ahead and say, okay, what are the big political forces? You have Charles V, you have the French king, you have Henry VIII. Locally, more locally, you're going to have uh, who, is, who is ruling Ducal Saxony, who is the elector of Saxony, all these kinds of things. And, and then for him to have the the guts, right, to say, uh, I want to be Lutheran, I'm committed to this, at least to a certain point, and I want to back that up politically, I think it, that, that's what fascinates me most about Philip. Like, if it wasn't for the upcoming problem that we're going to talk about, I really like Philip. The salacious problem. I mean, I not... He's, I, he's bold, and he's a, a go-getter. He is a character. Right. I, I would say... If we, you know, he's born into a kind of tenuous political situation. So his grasp on kind of his lands or solidifying further territories from pretty early on, he has to work to kind of solidify and he's challenged on it. Um, so uh, he is someone who's pretty political astute um, when it comes to maintaining his uh, power or expanding it. Um, I think that becomes interesting with the Reformation because he seems to be devout, but he also seems to recognize how the Reformation could be used <clears throat> um, politically for him uh, and as so well. What you're saying, and this is, this is also fascinating because this is, this is um, something that gets played out on a college like ours in churches and uh, church groups all over where you have you have the theologians who couldn't plan their way five days in advance. And then you have laymen. This is what Philip is, a layman, like in the, in the original kind of term, right? Laymen who are, are theologically um, sophisticated just enough to sign their name to documents kind of right. thing. And they can be impatient with theologians and sometimes rightfully so. I never get impatient with theologians. <laughs> and, but... Sometimes we can criticize the layman to say, okay, you started to see, see things in a practical manner and you got to pull yourself back. But you can understand the layman is like, you know, the church, the, you know, the local church is like, hey, we still got bills to pay. Right. Right. Uh, the college is going to say, you still need to attract students. Yeah. Um, Philip's going to say, 
you know, people are going to attack you. Should we like you have should, walls and you should maybe have an care. army? Yeah. Right. So I don't blame him for trying to push like, for instance, in the Marburg colloquy, let's just have a conversation, Luther. Right. right. So he's attracted to Luther. Right. He was at the Diet of Worms. Yeah. And only 17, 17 there. So years. keep in mind, um, Philip, like Melanchthon, is very young when he hitches his wagon to and, and is attracted to Luther. But. But it's Melanchthon who kind of really gets him to turn, right? From to to so, Philip Philip of Hesse is not just. I think he is. I wouldn't say impulsive, but oh, he's attracted to Luther, you know that kind of thing. But he's also put some thought into this right. that he, if he has taken time to discuss. And it makes things. sense yeah. that Melanchthon would be the one to kind of finally win him over because um, Melanchthon is uh, later a more moderating position, but also um, a more clear didactic da 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 um <clears throat> uh comprehensive systematic big thinker. picture yeah thinker um so so philip becomes fairly early on becomes a powerful figure because he has this territory and it has and so he's gonna it's not like he necessarily has grand visions for lutheranism so to like that came out of nowhere i mean you have to make a choice between Duke George right. and a, a being somewhat of a Catholic anti-Lutheran stance or do you, I mean so it, he does have to make a decision kinda, as a leader. I think it's around mid 1520s maybe 24 where he's finally like all in reformation 1525 uh, prominent leaders are trying to get him to join the anti-Protestant or anti-Lutheran or evangelical whatever you want to call it league um, that's being formed um, with the, if not the outright intention, um, it's being formed with its basis being, uh, at some point, there will be war with the Protestants. So he's got about a year before he's trying to, people are trying to entice him into, into that. Uh, 1526, he's going to formalize his alliance with uh, electoral Saxony, Protestant Saxony. It's a lot in two years. And what, in 1517, if he's 17, he's mid-20s still. When this is taking place, he's really hitching, um, as I said before, hitching his wagon to something. This is going to be um, something that he will not easily be divorced from um, should it become something that is uh, burdensome for him. Yeah, it, it just so just to stop once in a while and think of like how fast all of this happens. I mean, we think we live in a fast paced life, but we've we've remarked at that like 1520 the amount of stuff that was produced the amount of stuff that changed um it just keeps it it, it is a remarkable um moment in history for sure so he's going to introduce the reformation into his territory he is going to found we mentioned the marburg colloquy he is going to found what's still an important um university in the history of higher education in germany he's going to found the university of marburg understandably He's going to kind of found it um, on the model of Wittenberg, um, what Wittenberg was doing. Um, and then he and John of Saxony are going to be the faces of the Schmalkaldic League. And Mike, I, I always throw this one to you because you do such a good job answering it. What was the Schmalkaldic League once again? It really was a defensive league of reform-minded principalities. Is that a right it's a good one because it covers the cities and territories, yeah. Um, in um, with 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 the idea that you you were going to be attacked eventually by Rome, and then 
then the Schmalkaldic League then spurs on uh, the Nuremberg League, which is then principalities that would have been uh, favorable to the Roman Catholic side, right? But both of these are, you know, it's just... Everybody's realizing they're probably going to have to fight at some point. This is, this is, think, early 20th century, right? Um, you you got to line up between, are you going to be on the on the side of, you know, Russia or, you know... Or, or 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 France, right? I mean, you're gonna you have these That's alliances, choice, kinds yeah. of things, um, and and of course, all of this is kind of small potatoes compared to the big elephant of the room, which is which is going to be the emperor, right? So, and his armies. Um, so, but this is all kind of you attack me, um, or if 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 someone attacks you, they attack me, sort of thing, right? But what's, of course, interesting is this does produce ideas that we have to have a confession, right? <laughs> you know, like what, what binds us together. And so there is uh, a variety of, 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 of documents that say this is what, um, this is the bare minimum of theological agreement that we can have. And then you can understand Philip of Hesse is like, wouldn't it be stronger uh, if we had the, the, South Germans, wouldn't it be stronger if Strasbourg was on our side? Wouldn't it be stronger if we had the Swiss uh, reformers on our side? And the answer, of course, is politically, yeah, it would be. And so can we, can we navigate this where we can we find some basic theological agreements so that we can have this military alliance, which is, which is for our survival? You could see Philip uh, arguing, of course, maybe Luther on the other side is be like, what happens, happens. You know, what, what God gives is what God gives, right? So, yeah. So he is going to be a part of the Schmalkaldic League, right? He and will be defeated with uh, John Frederick, who takes place of Elector John, at the Battle of Middleburg. After John Frederick's, the Elector of Saxony's traitorous Lutheran cousin, Duke Moritz, Moritz of Saxony, the Judas of Meissen, as he's called. We should do an episode on him. I wrote a lot about him. Um, in my yeah. dissertation, but uh, turns on his cousin and on his fellow Lutherans in the Schmalkaldic League. So essentially, the Schmalkaldic League has to fight on two fronts, and John Frederick and Philip of Hesse are captured. Um, it, Philip of imprisoned. Hesse, because of the uh, salacious thing that we're about to get to, um, but also because of what he did, will be imprisoned. Um, it's not clear what his fate will be. He's going to have to kind of live as a Roman Catholic while in prison, or at least he decides to. Um, he says he's willing to accept the Augsburg interim so long as uh, the preaching of the gospel is allowed. So he's given Roman Catholic reading. He's going to Mass. <clears throat> um, it's hard to say to what extent he's doing so meaningfully. Um, he'll eventually get out. And he'll get to return to, to castle or to castle. And then he does, does he not come to the aid of some Huguenots in France, right? So he so does sort of... Gets to return and he'll be yeah. very important for um, not only supporting Huguenots, but welcoming Huguenots into Germany, which this gets us eventually to Prussian Union stuff, um, which will be session uh, 7,403. <laughs> um, but so he will continue to be important. But Mike, I think we've got to do it. We've got to get to the salacious part. You mentioned marriage. I'll yeah, set the. I, 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 I'm going to let you say the thing, but I'm going to set the, the stage. You mentioned as a young man already, a lot of his future was being planned for him. Marriages often were made for alliances. Um, 
there was no. Uh, I don't know. Is Tinder a bad thing? I shouldn't be using Tinder if it's a bad thing. Well, it, it's it's just a dating service, right? Yeah, but it's one of the more salacious. Is it? Well, then I'm not endorsing sites. it. Um, like you should maybe like J Date or Christian Mingle. Farmers.com. Farmers.com. There you go. That's right in the middle. Yeah. Farmers.com. Okay, so um, they didn't get to go on Farmers.com. No. Um, I would do the little uh, jingle here, but we could get copyright. We get smacked <laughs> with it. Um. So there's this. He's gonna get married, and it's gonna be, um, probably a, a happy day. Still, you know, this is an important event in his life, right? You're excited. You're getting married, um, but uh, there's gonna be some issues, right? And maybe just just before we we go to the story, th- this is not unusual that you would be in a loveless marriage, and sometimes it was just sort of understood that you had other women on the side or for instance in the case of um uh frederick the wise he never married never married because he couldn't marry the love because it was of a lesser class right Right. so he had illegitimate children and so it was kind of like we have these very strict laws that give us a sense of piety but we all understand that we're kind of they're ridiculous and so we have things going on on the side think of like a monk or a nun um, having having children or maybe even having what we would call like a even a common law wife or husband right and so it's just that's why I mentioned it's just sort of we look at that and we go what in the world's going on well to understand the context I'm not making excuses but helps you understand why people could turn a blind eye to this or just say this is just the way it is. Okay, so don't get to the salacious thing, yet, but we're setting the stage. Um, Christine, in various accounts, is described as being, uh, let's just say, not a looker, frail, sickly, sickly, and uh, she is the daughter of Duke George of Saxony, Luther's great enemy. Catholic. Um, Luther loved to call him uh, earmuffs to the kids listening. Love to call him a jackass. In fact, in one sermon, Luther said something along the lines of, even should heaven rain jackasses, <laughs> I mean Duke George's. <laughs> and uh, um, so sh- this is already a prickly situation. How, how, did, she, did she at least smell nice? No, actually it's reported uh, she smelled bad. Now, I don't want to be misogynistic. This is just reports that were, no, we're given. Not. And keep in mind... <clears throat> We don't have her word, a lot of her words nope. remaining for us today. So I'm, 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 I'm looking at a picture of her right now, which I am assuming is a very accurate depiction of her. And I think she's, she's just fine looking. Right. I agree. And uh, the other thing, just a little issue, um, seems to have been what we would call today uh, an alcoholic. For certainly a lush. Right. Probably... She's got a drinking problem. And then it seems um, that uh, there was not a lot of um, romantic chemistry mm-hmm. between both of them. Philip wants to be a devout man. He feels bad about cheating on her, right? Um, now, to be fair, he's still you shouldn't cheat on your spouse just right. because Trisha Johnston, if you are listening... Just because your spouse is um, perhaps a smelly, smelly, unattractive, <laughs> maybe overweight, 
occasionally has a beer. You're, you're not a drunk, though. <laughs> you ought not cheat on your spouse. Yeah. And thank you for the not a drunk thing. That's I appreciate. Right. Um, so I want to make that part clear to list. Say he sometimes plays PlayStation when you would rather he do stuff around the house. Um, Spends too much money on books and other stuff without any concept of the value of money. Jokes inappropriately with his children or quotes inappropriately. Yeah. Um, it's not a reason to cheat on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, Philip comes up with an idea, kind of drawing on things that maybe Bootser and, um, and Luther in his Genesis commentary has said, but using them very much for his own purposes. Uh, he comes up with a plan, and here's the uh, do 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 salacious part. Mike, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you say what happened now. Well. Philip becomes a bigamist. Yeah. Now, what's, you know, we're not going to defend Philip. In fact, a misuse of scripture for this. Uh, it's bad for the cause. It's bad for him. And it seems like maybe he, you know, had, had, he had, he's a little bit of likes the, likes the ladies right. a little bit. Now, with that said. Or at least doesn't like Christine. Yeah. At, at least, <laughs> at we should point Although out, though. to be though, fair. We should point out, though, he that... He has, like, 10, 9, 10, 11 children by her. Which is just the most fascinating <laughs> part is that the woman he despises, he has double-digit children with. In is fact, it double-digit? Okay. Yes, it's, I think it's 10, including uh, two... They af- become the heirs. Two after he has married the other lady. Yeah. So it was probably an interesting it was, German Thanksgiving dinner. I yeah, you know, and I think to he, I, I'm not defending him, but he, he has like 20 children total, right? He has a bunch by I don't, He could have very easily said this is what princes do in this time. But what honor, ironically gets him into the position where he is actually instead of having women on the side which everybody would have said wink wink what's the deal that he's actually going to marry somebody comes from his conscience, right? And which from is just, things that Luther says, like, and tries to it'd be better to be a bigamist than to get divorced, <laughs> right. in which Luther's trying to say, like, <clears throat> divorce is a serious thing. Yeah. So you It have, would kind of be like if I said to my kids, I would rather you smoke crack mm-hmm. than steal from old ladies. Mm-hmm. And if my kids heard that as, like, it's okay to... Smoke crack. Right, right. They would be missing the point. Right. So you got to be careful with your words. Exactly. Luther says, let me tell you, the boys did not come down off that crack high easy. (laughs) Let's not go. Do you get high on crack or do you get it down? I don't know. I don't know. Let's not joke about that because that is serious business, okay? We don't joke about bigamy. I would rather, I'm going to be just very frank with you, I would rather my kids steal a car than do crack. Oh, I think you would rather have them do a lot because. Because, no, I was just doing a new thing where, like, because well, then I can I, make a joke about No, but I think that's serious because, like, there's certain drugs that you can get addicted to right away, you know? Right. So, but we're not going to go down there, which drugs we would be okay. But the point is, Philip, it's actually, in a weird way, a high view of marriage. Right. This is because the point divorce is being seen as being taken so right. seriously, and he doesn't want to be <coughs> promiscuous. Right. But, but he is promiscuous. It's a capital crime. Yep. Right, bigamy is a capital crime in the Holy Roman Empire. Um, it embarrasses Melanchthon and Luther, mm-hmm. and I, I would imagine, R- and rightfully Bootser. so. Um, it tarnishes the small Celtic League at a very tense time in Germany. Um, 
And I have to imagine really makes for an, an awkward family setting. So I, I, it's, it is actually, to be serious, it is actually a very fascinating, even though very tragic situation. It's fascinating because, again, if you are the, the king of whatever at this time, and even powerful men and, and women still today, you just say wink, wink, who are in these arranged marriages or power marriages, and you just kind of understand that there's going to be something on the side where his conscience, and then he's attracted to the idea of maybe he can justify this. So hold on. Is it, I think this is actually quite fascinating, even though it's very tragic. And then Luther gets stuck with these words. And I think it's part of, part of the issue is you, you sort of get into the law and see if you can try to justify yourself with these loopholes. There's, there's a lesson here against mm-hmm. being, trying to self-justify by legalize by your way, legalize out. Your way, your way out, yeah. into a clear conscience and you can't do it. Can okay, sh- now go ahead. Can I share a fun fact that I forgot to you share? You betcha. Okay. So his children with Christine, who we have both said, based on the portraits we've seen, seems lovely and sober. I'm looking at a picture of uh, of Margaret, the second wife, and, and, and Christine, and I don't really, I, you know, granted it's a painting and I can't smell them, um, but... Uh, I, I just don't they see. They seem equally lovely. I think they, and, and no, both of them inside, which is what really matters, could have been very lovely people. Right. And so, fun fact though. So his fourth son with uh, Christine, born in 1534, dies 1535, so that's sad, um, is named Philip. His eighth son with Christine born 1541, um, is named Philip II. Hmm. So you might ask, what are you, the names are you going to use with, um, with Anne or Margaret, right? Margaret von der, yeah. von der Sala. Sala, yeah. Sala. So what, what are the names you're going to use with Marguerite? So keep in mind, I just said Philip II is born... April of 1541. Which really should be Philip III, but, you know. Right. But I suppose it would be the second. Okay. Whatever. Okay. April 1541. When was it, Mike? 18. April of 1541. 1541. Born December, or born 12th of March, 1541. First child to Marguerite. Guess the name. (laughs) Philip. First, second, or third. Born the same year then, just Philip, Count Zuditz, sixth child to Marguerite. Guess the name. Philip, Philip Conrad, born 1547. One Philip made four Philips with two women. Do you know who that reminds me of? George Foreman. Did he name us all? His I think he named like his daughters like. Georgia, or I'll, I'll look that up. Well, you keep talking about other things that are serious. Let's, let's be serious here. What are the ramifications for this? Uh, how is this fodder for the, the Roman Catholic Yeah, Church? I mean, he literally um, could have got the death penalty under the law of the land. It absolutely gives credence in the minds of, his, um, of Luther's opponents to the fact that Luther's message opens the gates for licentiousness. That the gospel will just lead people to sin because look what it's done in this very prominent <clears throat> means. It hurts relations of the Reformation <clears throat> with other places where maybe it would have had a possibility to take hold. 
um, because it becomes associated with immorality. And it uh, strains the relationship between Wittenberg and the landgrave Philip of, uh, of Hesse. So I would say in a number of ways it does damage. Um, Luther and Melanchthon, if I'm not mistaken, Mike, are kind of si- surprise invited to the wedding. Like they're summoned, and then there's the wedding, and they're there. They don't even know what's happening. Yeah. And so they're associated even with approving so, by their presence. Right. Melanchthon go. Does Luther go? I thought I, I, Melanchthon and sure. Luther, but maybe yeah. it's just. So it's not just a secret thing. Some of the problem here, too, is that things that are should have remained secret come publicly, become public, right? Like Luther is technically Philip's father confessor. Is that correct? At least I'm one sorry, point. I was reading. I wasn't even listening. Yeah. What you? I, I, part, of, part of the issue is that there are certain things that should have remained secret became public, which probably in the long oh, run— Oh, you're right. Bootser and Melanchthon were right. summoned um, to Rotenberg, and it turns out the wedding's happening. This oh, is, in Rotenberg. That's very nice. I didn't know that. This would be a funny prank. Now, I would not do this because I love my wife. Mm-hmm. But let's say we had a friend and loves their wife, but just to surprise us was like Mike and Wade, why don't you guys come over on Saturday? Mm-hmm. And we showed up, and it's a bigamous wedding. Mm-hmm. That would hurt our image. Absolutely. and I, I think that's what might send my reputation over the edge. And then what are you going to – like what do you do? Do you just – do you do – you, get out of there yeah, that would they, be rude you know but that's the thing you're kind of stuck between these philip put a lot of people into bad situations luther and melanchthon boots are, they mishandled this but philip puts them into some pretty difficult positions speaking of difficult positions if you're george foreman and you want to yell at your kids you will yell at george jr george the third also known as monk george the fourth big wheel george the fifth red george the sixth little joey now, George little Joey or Little George? Little Joey. On his website, Foreman explains, and I'm getting this from Wikipedia, so it's obviously correct. I named all my sons George Edward Foreman so they could always have something in common. I say to one of them, if one of us goes up, then we all go up together. And if one goes down, we all go down together. I wonder if Philip was thinking the same thing. It could be. Like you name all your kids Philip. I just wonder like if he's like Margaret's Philip. Margaret Philip number two. Christine Philip number one or two. We may be. And I probably probably shouldn't short it to Margaret, but Marguerite, right? But we we are maybe Madge. Maybe he called her Madge. Well, we we are getting to the point where we're going to be coming offensive at um, at uh, this tragic situation. Well, you know what they say: if you can't laugh at bigamy, what can you laugh at? Well. I, I don't know that everybody was laughing. Certainly. It's kind of gallows humor. Yeah. It's it's kind of, you, you need, it's one of those things where you need four, 500 years in order to laugh at it. I, I, I feel like we're not being too soon. So we're okay. Once again, though, to, to seriously emphasize, um, in an odd way, Philip is trying to uh, exemplify a high view of marriage and what he's doing. Um, and uh, both Melanchthon and Luther are kind of against their best wishes, and I would say probably against their consciences, drawn into it. But they do make mistakes. Um, and partly um, because there is so the- so much theological and political uh, tension going on at the time. 
you're going to have this opens the floodgates to criticize Lutheranism as being just an excuse for immorality. Um, and so this will be a big challenge. That being said, we've had our fun with Philip. I feel like we made it a little fun. Um, he's a guy who did early on at a very young age get interested in the Reformation, um, hitch his wagon to it, did seem to rather sincerely work um, to support and uphold the Protestant cause, although was he Lutheran? Eh, it's, it's hard to say. He seemed very um, amenable to some Reformed mm -hmm. things, especially on the sacrament. Um, but an important figure that we can't really get we around. We can't ignore, that's for sure. And neither could Luther and Melanchthon, obviously. Right. Nor could nor What could did Mar I tell you before this episode? Margarita. I said, well, what was your job? My job was to give the details. And my job was to do what? To make bigamous jokes. And I feel like I, d I did all right, you did, huh? You did pretty good. And I just remembered where I put my notes. Where are they? They are in the, my calendar, which is in my car. Like your day planner calendar? I did. I had, I had, I had pre Dear listener, I had prepared <laughs> for this a week ago. And um, so I do apologize for um, our lack of sophistication here. But in our defense... Out of like 43 episodes, this is probably one or two where we probably could we have let done better a little bit. So we're going to come back next time. Big pictures. Five things. Philip Professor. Early on, uh, meets Luther at Forms, age 17. Um, <coughs> becomes interested in the Reformation. Mid-1520s, embraces the Reformation, is one over to it, receives it, however you want to put it. Um, under Melanchthon's influence, that's two, right? Mm-hmm. Three, bigamist. Four, very important for the founding of and the leadership of the Schmalkaldic League, together with John of Saxony. Five, is eventually captured after the loss at the Battle of Milburg um, by the Schmalkaldic League. Um, is in a very precarious situation. Eventually gets to return to his territory, um, which will remain a Protestant territory, um, but may be inclined in some ways towards the Swiss Reformed, especially on the Eucharist or the uh, the Lord's Supper. How's that? Pretty good. D does sort of uh, kind of die, not in obscurity certainly, but kind of fades away from the public, whatever, and uh, after his helping out with uh, uh, the Huguenots, I believe. So um, the piece of Passau, he, did he play a part in that too? 1555? He did something. There was something connected with it. I think it maybe was connected to him or maybe being the piece, freed. Or maybe it was a yeah. piece of Oxford. 1552 piece of Passau is when okay, he uh, is going to get freed. Uh, that, okay, and then 1555 is something with Augsburg. Am I, am I missing something? Are you talking something? about the piece of Augsburg? Piece of Augsburg. Was he... Signer or something, or I don't know if he signs, but that's going to basically grant the kind of the toleration. Right. So he is still a political figure even into the 1550s, but then kind of fades away. Dies in the 1560s. I want to say the world has one less Philip, but thankfully <laughs> there's more anymore. There's there's a number more. All right. So uh, thanks for indulging us a little bit on this one. Uh, when we come back, we haven't decided yet. I I'd kind of like to maybe do Charles V. Uh, we have he deserves his own. Uh, uh, session there and that would lead us up then it would be a nice bridge into the next major event would be the diet of augsburg and the good thing is there's not much funny about charles v so we will be <laughs> well, focused this... he's a very serious guy 
he is, but there, his there's, jaw. There's his jaw. There's, there's the whole Hopsburg thing. There could be. Let's just say there could be a couple jokes, but certainly. But not. otherwise, he was a serious guy, and I, I, I admire say, him. Yeah, I, I respect I, Charles V. I don't agree with everything. No, but he seems to have been a very sincere individual. And, and this is kind of one. Of, I will bring this up. This is kind of the problem where we like Lutheran's good, Catholic's bad, and and yes, theologically, we're going to be on the Lutheran side, but um, it, it it blinds us. It leads us to. Uh, Hagiography There's on a lot one of people side, trying to follow their conscience. In this and side. and then kind of not looking at people with uh, honest eyes. And I think Charles V sort of, you feel bad for him sometimes. And I think certainly made some mistakes. Certainly he was mm-hmm. aggressive at some times. But another young leader put into an impossible situation. Not a bigamist. That we know of, right? You know, he wouldn't have got married. No. Um, but anyway, we'll we'll save that for next time. So. We hope that you'll come back. Um, until then, let the bird fly. But remember, Christian freedom, always in Christian love. When we say let the bird fly, we don't mean do whatever you want, like have a second wife. Right. We mean enjoy your first spouse. Sometimes they might smell. <laughs> sometimes they're not looking their best. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they might be inebriated. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not all the time. Mm-hmm. But you love them in freedom because their spouse, they're your spouse giving back to you so that you can let the bird fly. Another round. 